Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from iLikeYou.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at iLikeYou.com. Now, let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Q virtual chat. I'm Tracy Koga. Well, when we thought the pandemic and isolation was the worst thing that we could face, the terrible and tragic events that happened in Nova Scotia over the weekend is unsurmountable. It seems like it. But I think today we just start by sending our thoughts and prayers to the loved ones of the victims and hope that we can all together pick up the pieces and go on. So we're gonna join in the conversation. We have some great ladies, and we'll also be chatting too about a lot of us are now homeschooling and becoming teachers, and there's a lot of work to be done too with the kids. So how are we all dealing with it, and how can we, I guess, you know, get through it all with our kids too as well. So those are just some of the topics we're gonna to be talking about, and also, what is the biggest challenge that you're facing right now? So let's invite all my lady friends in. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. I, I, I was going to say, hey, hi, hi. hi I was going to say, yeah, it feels like a Monday, but it's really Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so I'd love to say welcome to Robin and hi, hey. welcome back to Charlene. Welcome hi. Melinda and welcome Lynn and welcome Rhonda. There's so many new faces and there's Susie too. Hi Susie and hi, uh, there's Rhonda. Hi. Hi Rhonda. Hi, how are you? And uh, you know what, um, Char uh, Charlotte, we're still waiting for Leslie. So I'm hoping. Um, I'll text her. Yeah, text her and see. Uh, if she can uh, join in the chat. So, uh, yeah, wow, quite a weekend. <laughs> um, I did send, send that question to you all about, uh, you know, what's the biggest challenge facing you right now? And I thought about maybe we should change that. Um, just for me personally, this weekend was uh, a really kind of an eye opener. And um, I think I might throw it out to Robin first. Uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of mixed feelings um, for for me I actually got uh, some sad news of two very um, um, they're very good people that passed away not due to COVID and um, it was uh, kind of like thinking about their families and not being able to have you know the, the funeral and everything like that and all the different ways and uh, you know uh, now I'll mention their names. There was Louis Talani, um, 
uh, uh, Tina Jones's father. So, you know, my thoughts and prayers, you know, for, for my family to theirs. Uh, Louis was such a, a big personality and a wonderful man. And uh, so he's hopefully in a, in a better place. And then a longtime volunteer at the Japanese Cultural Center, uh, Lucy Shimoda. And thank you, Susie, for um, sending me that little note because otherwise you just don't really think about right. like that in this time. And then it got to me thinking that, oh, we're just so wrapped up in what we're in. And then boom, this whole tragedy in Nova Scotia. And it was like, we don't, we don't want to watch the news anymore. We, we don't want to hear anything more about the pandemic and everything like that. But then now you're back sucked in and you're, you're taking this all in. So Robin, actually ladies to, to meet Robin, she is robincrease.com, live your truth. And she has a wonderful um, organization that does a lot. And her two stars are joining us too all the time. And I love them to bits, uh, Charlotte and Kirsten too as well. So Robin's kind of like, help us, <laughs> you know, or I don't know if, if that's the right word. It's just a lot of different feelings today. I, I think, uh, it, and thank you for having me. I really, uh, really appreciate it. I feel really honored. Um, I think one of the things to think about right now is there is so much happening and every day there's another layer, right? And, and the Nova Scotia on the weekend was just like mind blowing. I've heard people go like, this doesn't happen in Canada. This is an American, it doesn't happen here. Um, and I think the thing is, like, we all try and make sense of, like, things like that. And, and we're never going to be able to make sense of it, right? None of us will ever know. And it's a, a place for me about just being able to be in conversations with people about how I'm feeling. I, I think one of the big things I've seen, and in the last week, my grandmother in Australia died as well and you know, I had to attend her funeral virtually and that changes like everything um, in, in terms of that. And I think one of the super important things for people is just to be true to how they're feeling. And if that means they need to sit and cry, then they need to sit and cry. If they want to be a two-year-old um, and like oh, stomp their feet and go, why is this happening now? Like, I think that's the place if... If we just want to have a conversation and go, I don't, I don't get this, or whatever it is, I think it's super important to, to trust yourself and allow yourself to be true to how you are in that moment. And um, I'm a big fan of, of talking about stuff, whatever that is. I'm kind of renowned for, don't know if tactless is the word, but just being real, I think. And... So I encourage people to be real with whatever it is they're feeling at the moment and because it's just so much change. The only constant we ever had with was change and this is like change on speed. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know. How do you ladies, uh, your thoughts, Rana? Yeah, you know, it's, it's you know, everything basically what you said right like there 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 is uh, a normal world still moving people are um still passing away just normal causes you know we lost an uncle 
uh, a few days ago or a few about a week ago as well and uh, no one could attend his funeral right and, um and frankly like you know he's he's buried like right next to my dad almost right so there's just there, there there's definitely things that are happening uh nova scotia as well you know i to be to be completely frank i think that we want to believe that these things don't happen here um but they do um i, I you know i i just you know, I agree with Robin, right? Like you, you, you just have to feel what you feel, you know? And um, however that is, I think that, you know, we're very used to kind of putting on a face, you know, to go to work and to be social and to do all these things. And now is a great opportunity to really connect with who you are and what you're feeling, you know, and do it in the privacy of your own home and get your friends and family around you and have really honest conversations about what you're feeling. Because as much as things are, we're kind of in the change right now, there is a change. Like once this is over, things are changed. We're, we're not going to be able to go back to what it was. So um, I think it's a really good lesson to uh, maybe start to reconnect to the parts of us that we disconnected with just because we were so quote unquote busy. So, yeah. and, and Nova Scotia, I mean, I have a whole host of things to say about that, but I'm just going to leave it for now. Well, no, like, I mean, this is, like Robin said, I, 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 like, how are, like, do you try to make sense of it? No. Or like, how do you? No, I, uh, for me, I, I just don't like the portrayal of it, to be completely frank. You know, I don't like reading, um, you know, people getting shot in Winnipeg uh, and being labeled a certain way. Uh, and then this guy getting shot and someone's talking about his passion. And then there's an entire article by the Wilbur Mail talking about, oh, you know, these are the good things he, he's done in his life. Let's be completely honest, as a brown woman, had that been somebody brown, we would have been, it would have been terrorists plastered over the news all over the world. That's what it would have been. Um, and what that does is that it takes away from this senseless act, right? Like people have lost their lives. Um, and, you know, that I have to kind of take a, take a step back and say, well, you know, why, why am I so uh, annoyed and, and kind of feeling icky about what he's being labeled as when I should be saying, okay, well, these people lost their lives, which I am saying, you know, that's, that's the sad part. That's the, you know what I mean? Like that internal dialogue with somebody who would look like me, who would say, well, you know, I don't know, you know, it, it's very different. It's very different. And then, and then you got people out there saying, well, you know, you should be focusing on this and that. And that's not taken away from that. It's just saying, let's just call spade a spade. Right. right? You know, let's just call this what this is. It's a very different way to speak about people. I would much rather have when something like that happens, pictures of families and lost and loved ones, um, people who've lost their lives, plastered everywhere so we can mourn them. We can, we can talk about them. We can talk about what great people they were. Do not talk about this dude <laughs> who went on a rampage and discuss the, the, yeah. the, the positivities of who he was. That's yeah. annoying. You know, right? I'm going to ask Susie this, too, because I know the prime minister actually in his speech or whatever, I don't know if anybody mm -hmm. caught it, but he did, he, he did not want to mention his name and did not. He says we we're focusing on the family and the victims. What I right. thought was kind of interesting with Susie, too, and I don't know. I mean, a lot of how that whole thing was unfolding was unfolding on social media. It was on Twitter. People, you know, 
talking to the police and everything like that. So um, your thoughts, I guess, and comments on when we become, I guess, <laughs> the, the detectives or whatever. I mean, although people were just, you know, posting that they saw him or whatever. I yeah. it was interesting that way. Yeah. So I did see on the Prime Minister's statement about that basically saying he didn't want to mention the person's name and to not give him that kind of infamy. And I totally agree with that. I think that's a really smart thing that we need to start doing more and more of. Um, that being said, I totally agree as well with um, Rana's statement about um, just how we're seeing um, this narrative unfold in the press. And um, there was a couple of tweets that went around yesterday that had Tina Fontaine's image from that headline that basically maligned her entire uh, personhood in death, post-mortem. And um, yeah, I don't know why we allow this kind of sugarcoating of what this actually was. And um, there was also another lady that I'm connected with on Twitter who basically said, I guarantee this all goes back to domestic violence. And I think that we're going to see a definite connection there. So when it... Wow. So true. When it comes to... You just got a bit, I have a bit of a lag on your audio, Susie. So do I. This case will unfold. Right. Well, maybe we'll come back to Susie. I just want to say, oh. Absolutely. When we just, we're in the sorry, she said, yeah, your audio is cutting in and out, Susie. We'll come back to you maybe and then uh, so we can hear what you have to say because I know that'll be you know, very, very important. So right now I'm just going to say welcome to uh, Leslie McLeod. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Hi. And then welcome back Ainsley too. Um, so, well, we're chatting <laughs> not about a very uh, a light subject, but um, anyways, and, and welcome back to Amy. So as, just as we, I want to pick up then on Susie's last little comment. And Susie, you can jump in and correct me, but he said that your friend that you knew said this is all possibly going to come down to domestic violence. And that, uh, you know, maybe um, I'm going to introduce Rhonda Dagg here, who has done some amazing work with uh, Sarah Osmond from the Shameless Circle. And I don't know, Amy, you might know Sarah too, but, uh, or Rhonda. Rhonda, uh, first of all, kind of do a little introduction to yourself and then, you know, maybe your thoughts and comments on this. Uh, yes, thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited that uh, this group exists. So I work for the province. So I work um, as a specialist for the province during my my day job. Um, and during that work, I um, discovered uh, the impact of domestic violence on families and children. And so that ignited a passion in me in my personal life. And so I've done a number of things in the community. And so I connect with different programs. I wrote a children's storybook to help children understand what it's like to be in a family where domestic violence occurs so that they know that they're not alone. It's not their fault. So it gives those messages. Um, and I've created some videos and I've done some other things. And I also work for a company that's based in the U.S. and um, I do some training for social workers and um, the community on violence. So that's kind of my um, my spiel and to be honest, I don't know a lot of the story about Nova Scotia So now I'm gonna have to go and listen because the first thought I had without hearing anything is I'm like This feels like it's domestic violence And so now I'm super curious to go see what the details are because that was my first reaction because when we see that kind of violence um, 
often perpetrated by males, not always, but um, that was the first thing that went through my mind. So I'm super curious to hear more about um, the backstory to that, what happened. Yeah, well then maybe while we, you know, um, we're on the topic, okay, so the pandemic, COVID-19, um, you know, we as adults, we all talk about it, but when you have children and, you know, no matter what age, they pick up on things. So um, what are your, I guess, what are some of the helpful hints or helpful tips for parents or dealing with, dealing with children in close confinement and then, you know, bombarded by social media and the news and everything like that? Yeah, and it's, you know, it's a tough time for all of us. And I actually said to one of my adult friends, you know, these are big feelings that we're having. And you guys have already talked about that uh, this morning. And, you know, I think children are the same, right? There's lots of big feelings that they're having. And so, you know, being able to have that dialogue and giving children, children do best when they have a sense of safety and security. And so right now, you know, that might not be possible for them. They're missing their friends. There's all those things that impact. And being able to, you know, talk about what's happening to them. Um, there's tons of resources I've seen. There's lots of people sharing stuff on social media. That's all the good parts about social media right now is people are sharing different ways to have conversations with children um, about all these big feelings that they're having. And then how do we as adults, when we're having big feelings, talk to children about big feelings too, right? So I liked what Robin said about, you know, just, you know, kind of owning those feelings. Earlier today, I was like struggling with, a lot of my friends have decided to not stay home anymore and they're seeing friends and family and I'm feeling conflicted, right? So I had to process with one of my friends about you know, how does that feel for me now that, you know, people are starting to change how they're, you know, dealing with this pandemic. So lots of big feelings for all of us. I know. And well, it was just announced. We have another 30 days. Mm-hmm. So, like, Su Lin, who, I mean, <laughs> just opened this amazing place called Milksmith. Um, now everything's kind of changed totally upside down for you. Another 30 days. Um, how's, how does that make you feel, Sue? <laughs> you got to unmute, unmute yourself. Oh, still no audio. We can, uh, bottom left-hand corner, <laughs> left-hand corner. Still not there. Well, oh, and well, Charlene too, for the hospital. Now, if we're looking, we'll come back to you, Sue, when you get your audio, just jump in. Charlene there, uh, from the, Victoria Hospital, another 30 days. I mean, and, and what is kind of like the atmosphere in the hospitals right now? Well, you see, <clears throat> in some ways I'm not quite sure because I'm part from the foundation and we yeah. moved off site as quickly as we possibly could for a number of reasons. One was to make sure we weren't in the way and because we had the, the opportunity to do that. So what, what I do sense is because I get all the communications, um, 
there's a sense of, I'm trying to figure what the right word is. Um, there was a, a number of sort of um, energetic um, preparations being made in preparation for, you know, perhaps um, the, the, the healthcare system being overwhelmed. And I think mm -hmm. what we've done is a really good job as a community um, listening. You know, we talked about people maybe feeling that it's safe to go out Again, I think we need to be really careful, be really mindful that what we've done so far has worked. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea that um, we have been making that contribution to the health and safety of not just our healthcare workers, but our system and then the, the people in our community that are that are more vulnerable. So, but what I do get a sense of, and I, and I, this is just a sense, is that there's a little bit of, like everybody else, you know, you get, it, there's a sense of, it, there's some um, we're, they're getting tired of like you know there's fatigue around this like it's maybe it's battle fatigue if you're sort of talking about there being a war against uh, COVID-19 and how we're all contributing in different ways so I, I get a sense that there might be a little bit of fatigue so when you say that there's another month that's you know they're prepar they they prepare for something that they hope doesn't happen because we've done so, such a good job that it won't happen, but then again, how, how are they going to deal with that fatigue and then doing that another month and everybody trying to do the same thing so, you know, yeah. we make the right contribution and the right things happen so we can get back to normal life, whatever well, that I mean, is going to yeah, be, as quickly as possible, so I don't know. I know, and I think, yeah, like especially for the Vic, you know, being kind of the, the epicenter for mental health, I think after all of this, uh, mental health is going to be a huge mm -hmm. issue and it's almost like you, you hit it on the nail Charlene it's just like being at school or whatever you study hard you do well in the test and you keep on working and it's just like here's more homework here's another test it's like here's 30 more days and and, and yeah it kind of it doesn't it shocks me but it doesn't when you say Rhonda that now you've got some friends that would want to get out and um because people are just getting really really kind of angst so melinda i mean too i mean you're so close to your family and you're being able to see them i mean well it's very interesting that you bring up mental health as i the last time i was on the panel i talk about being a caregiver to my grandmother who's 99 now and um my parents who you know are still very active and you know vivacious but they are stuck at home now and they it's very hard to tell them what to do i mean several of you know my parents you can't you can't tell them what to do but they've been pretty good i mean you know they they're news junkies so i think all that negativity it scares them i mean there's lots of fear mongering there but um it's hard it's hard and i as someone who is um already naturally anxious you're seeing everyone else being anxious around you and you're constantly worried. I mean, when I'm dropping off groceries to my grandmother and supplies to my parents, you're constantly thinking, they can't get this virus. They can't get this virus. And am I being safe enough? Am I, you know, am I protecting them enough? Am I washing my hands enough? Am I staying far away from them? Because it's not as easy as just dropping off groceries and waving from the window. They they want to see you. They want to open the door and it's, I'm literally like, stay there, I'm here. And 
it's just, it's a constant battle and it's a constant anxiety that you don't, it's hard. It's very, very hard. And I think it's something that is universal. We all feel, I think, so that we, we don't know what we're doing, if it's enough, if it's right. But um, hearing Charlene speak, if it's working, it's working. Let's keep on fostering this social distancing until we can mm -hmm. actually, and this is just a personal opinion, but yeah. we want to get back to normal. And it sounds like there's really one way to do it. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I was just going to ask you, Melinda, once this is all over, will you go and give your grandma a big hug? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's hardest with my grandma because she doesn't know how to use smartphones, smart devices. She doesn't have a webcam. My parents, my sisters, my friends, we are able to Zoom. We're able to FaceTime here with my grandmother. I mean, she's on the phone. <laughs> but um, even seeing her from, from the elevator after I drop off, she keeps on saying, come in, come in. And I'm like, I can't, I can't. And, you know, and she, sometimes she doesn't even recognize me because I wear a mask in front of her <laughs> and she won't open the door for me. But, um, uh, no, it, yeah, I want to give her a big hug. I want to kiss her. All the things take for granted. And I think I keep on telling myself, you know, I keep on trying to show gratitude on what we, the age we live in now. Look, look at us. We're still able to communicate and share, but you know, maybe kind of touching to what Robin and Rhonda said, it's okay to not be okay sometimes. And to really say, this sucks. This really sucks. But you know, we're all in this together and I will get to hug my grandma if I keep her safe. Uh, if we as a community keep each other safe, then I will be able to hug her <laughs> again really soon. Well, and just, um, just so that note. Get your audio on, Sue. Pardon me? Oh, there's you. There's you. Uh, you're cutting in and out. Oh, I can't no hear. audio still. We can't hear you. No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Try, uh, maybe, if, I don't know, maybe if she logs back, she goes out and comes back in. I'm not too sure, but um, uh, still work on that. Maybe, Susie, you can give her some pointers, <laughs> help her. So I'm going to actually now say to. hi to Leslie McLeod. So he, she's joining in, and she's actually part of the Robin Priest Live Your Truth crew, too. So, um, you know, Leslie, I mean, your background as a school teacher and principal and now hey you've got all of these school teachers and principals now that you have to kind of um train and uh hopefully sue can jump in the conversation because she's got two little ones and amy i know you've got kids too at home so you know how is this whole crisis going do you see mute unmute unmute Apologies for being late, first of all. That's managing provinces' time zones and not doing it very well, obviously. Hi, everyone. Um, as Tracy said, I am part of the posse now, working with Robin and Charlotte. Happy to be working with them. And uh, I'm a retired school administrator and teacher. And so I'm not in the trenches, but I'm certainly in observation mode. I uh, 
have a group of teachers that I'm sort of keeping in touch with and we're talking weekly and um, working with Robin and Charlotte, trying to support teachers. But a lot of what's happening with them is what's happening with everybody else. You know, the same family challenges of managing work and um, if you have young children at home, trying to be interfacing with your kids in a virtual classroom and also managing what's happening in your own home. Um, lots of challenges for lots of teachers who weren't particularly tech savvy prior to this and that ramping up and having to, I think that's one of the bigger stressors, especially for teachers that have been teaching for, for quite some time. I was talking with one teacher the other day and she's in her last year and I asked her how it was going and she just burst into tears because she said, you know, the stress of all the worries about her kids now having to do the whole tech ramp up and she says, and I'm done in June, you know, so all of this with, uh, you know, in a short time frame is, is a lot. But, uh, you know, teachers really care about their kids and they're doing everything that they can to reach out and try and keep moving them along. Uh, big worries, of course, with kids that are the at-risk kids and in, in families that they're worried about. And um, here in Ontario, I know that social work support and everything and I would imagine it's the same in Manitoba um, are supporting teachers with kids that you know they're not being able to get in touch with or their parents aren't engaging in the education piece um, but it's it's a stressful new time for all of us and uh, you know they just want to do the best that they can for their kids right what is the I guess what are they doing with this school year is it just like a automatic pass or is yeah it, yeah it will be an automatic moving on. And um, the biggest goals right now for, for children, especially I'm, I'm in the K to eight, is that math and literacy, like making sure that they're trying to move them along. And, and I know in high school here, they're still doing their coursework and they'll be doing um, assessments at the end of the year so that they'll have completed their coursework. Um, it's yeah, and and everybody will pick it up where they, where they where they leave off. I mean, the regular classroom is not one level of teaching anymore, anyways. So you're teaching kids where they're at when they're walking in the door of their classroom, and teachers will continue to do that next year. It's just that yeah, they will just move on and and work at filling in the gaps next year. So do you see possibly, Leslie, the school system? Well, obviously, it will probably change. I mean, now will, will they look at, okay, so how kids do working at home, how teachers do working from their homes? Um, will this leave a different kind of footprint now in schools? Because, I mean, like in Manitoba, too, like in Ontario, we do have a lot of overcrowding in schools. And, uh, you know, with little portable, little classroom kind of things, which isn't the greatest, uh, you know, kind of a learning kind of environment. Well, it's interesting. I don't know if you were following what was happening with um, teacher unions uh, and strikes here or work to rule here in Ontario. One of the biggest stumbling blocks was that the government wanted to put in four e-learning compulsory courses for high school and the, the teacher unions were really fighting that. So this is you know, total jump in, get your feet wet, see, and who knows how that's going to impact the conversations moving forward for the future. Because, I mean, part of that is um, you don't really know how it works until you try it. And, and now they've really got 
got to try it. So it'll be interesting to see if that gets put into the curriculum, especially in secondary. I don't see it really working in, in elementary. I mean, I talked to my teachers who are doing the online Google chats with their grade threes, my friends who are doing that. And it's, I mean, a hilarious, chaotic, fun <laughs> event, but they, it would be a long time before that sort of became normalized and, and, and workable as a regular classroom sort of situation. But I, I see it probably going that way for some credits probably I mean, especially if, if it's this they deem this as being successful yeah no doubt but that's my opinion only i mean i'm i'm I, i'm not one i'm not you know in, involved in that anymore but it, yeah it'll be the biggest thing it'll be interesting to see how this impacts the conversation mm -hmm. well even our conversations and everything everything who would have thought a year ago from today we would be talking like this and talking about all of these different feelings and situations so who knows? And how are things? How are things going for you, Amy? I know you're at home too with kids and doing your thing. Well, it's interesting because I just got an email from the school saying that they're going to be setting up these Tuesday, Thursday virtual chats with the students. And I, I think it's essentially it's a different platform, and we're all supposed to log in and wait quietly behind the scenes until they, they've gone through all the students or until it's like your turn. So I'm kind of thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, how, well, how does this work? Is this a one hour or two hour session? And you just kind of like in front of the screen and just wait till your name's called. So, and then I was going to ask Leslie, like what, like what, what is the guidelines right now for like how much should um, a child be invested in school considering that June is going to be the end of the year? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I can't, I can't speak from a, a, a school board or, or provincial point, but um, I know the goal in Ontario is it's, it's more about keeping our kids healthy and safe and engaged in learning. So um, I'm for elementary K to K to five here, they're only doing, they're doing three hours of work a week and that can involve the Google Meet classroom, but it's an invitation. It's not an expectation in Ontario. So I can't, I can't speak as to what's happening in, in Manitoba, Amy, but I know like it's, it's whatever works for the parent. And that's the, the, the message that's going out here. And I know um, I was just talking to a friend of mine this morning and she's teaching a grade five, six class. And she says, I'm doing that the tension between the parents who are, emailing me and saying this is not nearly enough work why are you why aren't you sending way more work for my kids and then the other sort of 30 percent of my parents were going this is way too much work the expectations are way too high what are you doing to my kids so it's it's that fine tightrope of of trying to balance and and uh, make sure that kids are are still happy and engaged in learning so I would say you, you've got to do what works for you and your kids and, and don't feel that these are must-dos, that these are, are, these are encouraged, these are opportunities for engagement, opportunities for your kids to see their friends from their classroom, which is a huge mental health piece for a lot of kids because they're really missing all of their friends. Uh, but... I don't remember how old your children are, Amy, but you know, it's, it's a bit of a gong show when it does happen and it's kind of fun and funny, but um, yeah, like I, they'll have the chat column going down the one side and you've got the one little boy who's, you know, constantly writing fart in the column as you know, they're trying to manage and get everything. But 
they're also saying as time passes, the kids are getting better at it too. So it's, it's a learning opportunity for the kids just in itself to, to get online and try it. So, I mean, I would say try it and if it works great and if it's not something that, that you and your kids can do, maybe just continue with the other learning opportunities that the teachers are providing. Yeah, I think that's a great message for all parents just to kind of um, do what you're capable of doing and at, at your own comfort level. Because uh, I know like a lot of um, parents are kind of going back at each other, like talking, oh, well, my kid is doing three hours. My other kid is doing five hours, 10. And then some, some parents feel like, oh, well, I feel like I'm not a, I'm not a good enough parent, right? Yeah. Why is my child not doing 10 hours of like reading math and English and all that stuff? But yeah, like we're trying to just kind of go with the flow. It's, it's just three hours a week right now, whatever we can manage, um, nothing too like set and in stone. Um, yeah, just to make it easier on everyone. My one, one piece of advice I would do is, is encourage you not to get too caught up in what other people are doing, right? Because we all live our own lives and we all got to do what works for us. And um, another thing I was saying to, to some friends is this is an amazing opportunity for kids to learn in different ways and learn different things. Like I know a lot of kids are helping out with, with household chores or helping out with cooking or helping out with the pet management or helping mom or dad as they're doing minor carpentry and, and, and what incredible opportunities that kids don't normally get. Right. And so there's so many things that you're probably doing with your kids that maybe aren't, you know, hitting the books, but are other opportunities for them to one, be with you, spend time with you and learn from you or, or learn about, you know, more, skill-based stuff around the house uh -huh. so um yeah and don't get too caught up in what other people are doing because everybody does what works for them now i don't know if sue did you get your audio can back? you hear me now yes yay <laughs> i had to go on my iphone guys like it was a process oh okay. <laughs> yeah so going that training the wheels back when i kind of mentioned well it was announced that we've got another 30 days like this yeah. Yeah. And you are yourself an entrepreneur and, you know, you, you just opened up this wonderful place and I know shamelessly you. like, you know, <laughs> it's the best little ice cream place on Corden called Meltsmith. And uh, yeah. And then now you're at home mom. Yes. So how's it been? Uh, it's been challenging, I would say. Definitely. I feel on the entrepreneur side and business side, you don't necessarily ever think you're going to have to face things and challenges like laying off employees or like doing anything of that in that nature. So you never put yourself in that mindset of how do I deal with letting down a team of people that you were, you know, hopeful for and worked together with every day. So that's been challenging of feeling the guilt of that, I think. Um, and just kind of dealing with what do we do now? So kind of being creative and thinking what's our next step and, all those kind of things and then dealing with you know what's the government doing to help us and so it's like constant reading and thinking and your mind is always turning and then I would say on the family and business or family side of things with my kids um I am not meant to be a stay-at-home mom I will say that for sure uh and it's guilt on that part too because people are loving it some people this is their glory this is like I want to stay home I love this time with my family and you're constantly getting these messages on social media that you should be taking this time to improve yourself, improve your business, improve your family life. And I'm struggling. I, I just got to flat out say that, like, 
I love my kids, but being with them 24 seven, being in charge of homeschooling that I've never had to do before um, and kind of dealing with those challenges, it's, it's different for me. I'd much rather go to work. <laughs> I just want to add, uh, Sue's husband is a school teacher. So he's yes. on from 9 to 3.30. And yeah, yeah, so I know there's a lot of roles. Sorry, Robin, I knew that you wanted to pipe in. So now you kind of heard, I guess, everybody's story, except Ainsley, too. Ainsley is, um, you know, she kind of represents the arts and culture. And she sits on the wide board. So we'll get to you, Ainsley, shortly. But Robin, you had a few words you wanted to share. I think I wanted to say that this, all of this is the great leveler, right? There's always been stigma and discrimination about mental health. Um, and people have been like, not me, not me, not willing to talk about it. And I think this is the big leveler, right? That, that hopefully as we work our way through this, there's a lot more empathy and compassion and people talking with each other and being real. And maybe there won't be as much stigma and discrimination to people because the world is feeling this at the moment. Like that anxiety, that depression, that when will this end? I mean, last week, like I do, um, or Charlotte and I do a whole bunch of calls for people doing peer support. And everyone was angry last week. It was like even the sweetest people were super angry. They were like, mm. And um, we were talking about there was a tolerance, and I, I think you were talking a little bit before about now we've got this next level. People are a little unsettled because they thought it was going to be for a certain time and it's longer. And, and I, I keep thinking about if we get a community that starts talking and being real with each other, it's our way through, not just in this environment, but for the future as well. And the other piece is, and this might sound counterintuitive, but this is the time to reach out to all the people that deal with mental health issues, like whatever the mental health issue, because we've all had like coping skills to get through crap um, forever. And even though it has looked pretty, like we're still getting through it. And so there's a place to be able to engage people who've dealt with mental health issues and say to them, hey, you've had some of these feelings. How have you got through it? Because that also builds those people up to go, oh, I have something of value for society now. And, and so I think as weird as it sounds, there's some silver lining in all of this that, that hopefully as we move forward, I think the biggest one for me, Charlotte, and I keep talking about, it's time we got our human back on. And our human is hearing about each other, listening to each other, and not being so busy that we don't engage and actually hear what's happening for other people. So I just wanted to say that. Thank you for letting me jump in. Oh, <laughs> no, no. I mean, we were all shaking our heads going like this, yes. And I mean, Ainsley, too, you've been, like, watching or listening to all of this. I mean... What are your thoughts? I mean, you know, thoughts of, you know, tragedy in Nova Scotia, you know, the anxiety of another 30 days, um, all of this. Yeah. Um, once again, love listening in um, and hearing all the different perspectives and, and what's common amongst all of us and what's different. And um, Nova Scotia is a big thing for our family, our son, Owen. Uh, attended Dalhousie University and lived in Halifax for five years and 
our family, you know, visited him at least once a year for five years. And we fell in love with Halifax and Nova Scotia and still have friends there. And of course he still has friends there. So that was really tough. Um, you know, and of course the people living there and all of the people who have other connections to Nova Scotia, it's, it's, you know, it's terrible to hear about something like that. So, um, again, through my association with the WAG, um, using, uh, art and culture to kind of, um, looking at, uh, Maude Lewis, who is the sort of naive folk artist from Nova Scotia, who, um, lived with so much, lived through so many challenges. You know, she lived in isolation. She lived in poverty. She had many, many health challenges. And yet, um, if you're familiar with her work, it's full of joy. It's, it's simplistic, but it's, it's full of light and innocence. And um, so yesterday, I just got out her work and started looking through it. And, um, you know, it's, it's a response. I think we all have responses and we all go to whatever brings us comfort in times of, of trouble. And, and uh, particularly looking at someone like her and her work. Here is a woman who, as I said, had so many challenges and yet she was, and had no education and no one believed in her. And she was an outcast really. Um, but she created this body of work that is a legacy and, you know, Nova Scotia is known for it. And so, you know, it does show the resiliency and, and the, the power that everyone has that, you know, we can all be strong in times of trouble and we can also always admit to feeling sad and have our weaknesses. And um, so that's what I, take from that um that was my response today uh you know thinking about nova scotia oh thanks ainsley for sharing that because that really you know brings a, another light to to the arts and culture and why it's so important to in our lives too for mental health and whatnot and i uh, charlotte and, and and kirsten now getting a little dark and gloomy and it's kind of um going the opposite way of what robin your words of wisdom so now all of this and thinking about what happened in, in Nova Scotia, would that have happened regardless of this pandemic and this isolation um, and all of the different things of businesses closing and you know having to let go of staff and where your next paycheck is gonna come from. So we're gonna be now 30 more days like this. What kind of feelings and frustrations You've all, I mean, Robin has already spoken about it. Um, so what, it, what in your, and I won't say expertise, but or what, you know, in your opinion, where is this going to go for the next 30 days? That was a big loaded question, isn't it, Charlotte? <laughs> <laughs> Charlotte, I'll let you take that one. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, you know, I'm still back on thinking of Ainsley's words, a, a girlfriend of mine and, and a and also a family member collect uh, Maude Lewis. So I was thinking about her white cats as you yeah, brought yeah. it up. So for all of you, Google Maude Lewis. She's got some amazing artwork um, and that'll bring light to today. Uh, one of the, um, so when Robin and I had actually a busy Sunday and then uh, sat down and, and I turned on the news and went, holy bleep, 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 
Robin, get on the news. Oh, we got to reach out to Nova Scotia. Um, we work with several peer workers in Nova Scotia. So the first thing we did was, you know, got on and text to make sure they were all okay. Um, the second thing I did is um, we do work with the RCMP. So we were reaching out to our RCMP um, colleagues. Um, Robin chairs a mental health uh, group um, for the RCMP that I sit on as well. And because uh, we've become friends with so many of these people and it, it was devastating. Um, so I can't comment as none of us can whether this was COVID-19 related or domestic violence related or a bit of both but all we know is you know it was oh my goodness and the timing and the hor the horror the texts we got back were you know the people in Nova Scotia were absolutely devastated and then trying to figure out how best to support each other through that um, but I can't, what I can talk about, um, and you know, what Kirsten and I are going through the impact that this is having on our children, um, and both of us have young adult children, and uh, this new 30 day. So my youngest daughter, Shelby, is in university here in Winnipeg, and um, today's her last day of school. She has an exam from one till three today, and uh, She's working on a paper, but she she surfaced last night because she's one of those uh, students who is um, very hard on herself, and she's a high achiever, and she works very very hard for hard for very high grades. She's struggling with um, the amount of work she can do in a day is not normally what she's able to accomplish in a day when she's in a normal environment of schooling. And the swirl around her friends was that university was going to continue like this into the fall. And she was like, I don't know if I can do this because I'm not enjoying it. And what that looked like for her, as well as, you know, having to prepare for her exams. So that I, I'm hoping for the students that they'll get a break. They'll have some sort of no more school so that they can just have some downtime before they have to start thinking about right. what the fall is going to look like because that's hard when you don't know so no. i know and that's the whole point of it is that again there is no definite answer so i mean and kirsten mm -hmm. for your girls too right um 30 more days yay <laughs> well you know when this all when this all first happened we had to social isolate and work from home um, I initially was really concerned about um, one of my daughter's mental health because she's um, she, she's worked really hard to be in a place of wellness and recovery. Um, but I have to say, uh, we were driving the other day to get um, Sundays from McDonald's. Um, because you can't do much, but you can go for a, a Sunday at McDonald's. And um, she, she's someone who got through high school from home. So the homeschooling thing, although she did the work, I wasn't homeschooling she was very familiar with and um, her world and her teen years look different to a lot of other families. So um, she was just saying, you know what, I can do this. I've been socialized, isolating for a long time. And um, you know what, a lot of people are struggling right now, but I can do this. And she was feeling really confident with being able um, to get through this time. She keeps herself very busy with artwork. She, she loves to paint. She loves, she has a huge loom she works on. And, um, you know, at one point when my daughter was in high school and was not well, um, and, and we chose to uh, keep her home from a typical high school setting, I used to be very concerned with what other families were doing and what was going on with their child and, you know, feeling like uh, 
because things were different in our home that we were um, uh, failing as parents. But um, so our experience with the poor mental health in our family has actually prepared us really well for these times. And we're also in a place of wellness. So we're also really, really grateful. Um, and I hate to sound like Pollyann, but uh, um, we're doing really well. We're, we're doing really well. My oldest daughter who moved out in um, October takes social isolating so seriously. She comes to our front porch. Um, she lives about six houses down in a character block at the end of the street. And uh, she will not come inside. She'll leave brownies. Um, you know, she's, she's 22 years old. And um, I'm really impressed with how she's handling things. So uh, we're still able to connect. But um, we're, we're all well. And boy, Leslie, I wish we could take um, your words and put them all over the national news. Because I think parents need to uh, hear that. And they need permission to give themselves a bit of a break. And um, yeah, yeah, and we're doing okay. We're really um, more than Casey, okay. if I can add anything to that, I would yeah. say to build on what uh, Suleen said is that um, you know, and I think we've said this before, but this is a pandemic. This is not a sabbatical. This is not a time for you to be pressuring yourself or your children to be learning or doing something new. Your brain is literally in a fight or flight mode continuously right now because we don't know what's happening from day to day. And so we really need to be careful about how we look at our feelings and how we look at how we view our motivation and really just give yourself a break. Give your children a break. I have been basically let everything go when it comes to my kids. There's no such thing as screen time rules anymore. There's no such thing as, um, you know, like fighting about their rooms and things like that. All I really need at the end of this is for my children to be healthy and happy. That's it. And if, if whatever that takes, I bought them, I bought them like three packs of Twizzlers at the store because I'm telling you, whatever it takes to make them happy and give them a little bit of joy, I am willing to do now. We're having ice cream for dinner. Like, I don't care anymore because it's all about those little people and those little hearts being taken care of. That's the number one thing. Absolutely. And I, 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 love, to, I love to hear people worrying about the, the health of the family, the health um, of the children. Like, that's what it's all about. So, yes. I, I, wanted to jump in too um, and, and address, uh, you know, sort of the anxiety that some of us have because we're dealing with our older parents and we're so fearful of um, doing something that's going to jeopardize them. And I mean, I'm not saying that this is the right way to go, but I've, I've tried to let that go. I am as informed as I think I can be. I get my information from um, I think reliable sources. So I'm not looking at, you know, the internet for the latest this or that. I'm trying to look at newspapers, television, radio, like traditional sources of information to inform myself or government websites. And I am keeping myself, you know, I'm going to the grocery store for my parents and I'm, you know, but other than that, that's it. Um, but I, so I feel like I'm doing everything I can. And um, I'm also helping them move right now. So I can't actually, I have to go into their house and I have to be with them. But what I'm saying to myself and my sisters are, we are doing everything we can to keep them safe. And, you know, if something happens, something happens. It's not because we're allowing them to, you know, 
we're they're staying in their house we are monitoring who goes in and who comes out we're being really careful about what we do but you know we can't wrap them in bubble and we also they need that um they need some kind of help right now especially in the face of a move which we've put on hold and put on hold but there's anxiety for them and you know issues with their memory and cognition and they need they need us and so um you know i'm not i just have kind of let myself let go of some of the anxieties about if i do something wrong because i'm i'm trying to be informed and do the best i can and i think that's what we do whether we're parenting our children or whether we're helping our yeah no that's great information i mean i think I might just go around and just say, or everybody, that big question is, what's your biggest challenge that you're facing? Maybe that has changed now. Hmm. Hey, Tracy, can I add a, just a bit on a, to Ainsley's words? Because um, the, the thing about the older parents and the support, um, so I have a little bit of the opposite scenario going on with uh, the, my mother and uh, my partner's mother who are very active seniors, and they're maybe not taking the social distancing as strongly suggesting as I would like them, um, and really struggling with nagging at them too much to stop going out. Um, and that part is really difficult. Um, my mother is um, American and Canadian, and, and she lives half the year in Florida with my near to where my brother lives and the other part of the year in Kenora, close to where I am. And uh, they're still golfing in, in, um, in Florida. And she's like, no, we're doing social distancing. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like, you know, and <laughs> like, what do you do? And, um, and my, you know, my, uh, my partner, Doug's mom is, you know, she was going out to M&M meets the other day because there was a sale on lasagna and I'm like, I'll go pick it up. And she's like, no, no, no. And, and so it's those kind of frustrations that other people are having. And I know this is another layer to the scenario and, and uh, yeah, it's hard because you want them safe, like Ainsley said, and you want them to be around, but you know, they're adults and they make their choices themselves. Yeah. too. So. Definitely. So that, that is a challenge in itself. <laughs> mm -hmm. Although they are golfing, I just saw a friend of ours, he was on the golf course in Kenora. Mm -hmm. So they walk the course, um, the clubhouse is not open, yeah. you bring your clubs, um, they do like specific um, uh, timings that, uh, because the police actually monitor how many cars are in the parking lot. Yeah. Uh, and it's because golf is such a, you know, over a broad space that you can keep your distance six feet apart anyways if you're walking and they have like a little foam insert in and there's no touching the pin so you have to leave the pin in and there's like a foam kind of insert in the cup so the ball just doesn't actually go down so you don't have to reach down it just sits there and you just pick up your ball so yeah. I mean, that's sort of going to be the you know maybe hey we can get onto the golf course <laughs> in 30 days so never know but uh it's yeah, so some of the I know what is your biggest challenge for you, Susie. Sorry, I was on mute. Um, in terms of family, Anything. in terms of and well, one thing I think we need to remember is that uh, you know, going back to the stress issue, is that people are not at their best right now, 
So I think that it's incumbent upon all of us to really give everyone a wide berth in terms of how we deal with other people and our reactions to whatever it is that they're putting out there. Um, somebody in your social circle probably lost a job this week. Mm -hmm. And um, you are not aware of what people are dealing with if they have, you know, children that are, you know, special needs or if they have other things that are going through their, their minds or their lives. People are stressed. And, um, you know, going back to the homeschooling issue as well, uh, Winnipeg Free Press did a great story the other day about how not everybody has access to the internet. Not everybody is able to be home with their child and homeschooling them. Some people have to work, you know, two jobs, whatever, to to pay for everything and um, this little guy in the story was with his grandmother and she doesn't have internet she doesn't have Wi-Fi and he's doing his best to do his worksheets and that but we have to remember there's a huge inequality in terms of what people are dealing with here and I'm sure you may have seen the post on Facebook we're not all in the same boat some people are in a life raft and some people mm -hmm. are in a so I think you need to remember that there are inequalities that are being drawn out here and that whatever you can do to be compassionate or to bring um, dignity or kindness to somebody's day is a, is a big thing right now. Wow. Rana, for you, challenge. And we saw your cute little niece. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. She's just, she's, well, that's, that's the biggest blessing, I guess. She needs to be in every show. Thank you. I know. Yes. <laughs> I know. She's so cute. Uh, she's so, so cute. Um, but she just kind of hangs there, right? Like, you can't really, but, you know, super blessed that she's in the house and around us, right? Like, that could have been totally different. Um, you know, my biggest challenge is me. I think that that's, I'm my biggest challenge, right? I, I'm like everyone else. I, uh, I think we've kind of touched upon it. I'm, I'm constantly like, okay, well, this is time. Like, what can I do? What can I complete? Um, you know, what can I fix? What can I learn? Um, and that thought process is exhausting. You know what I mean? Like I find myself mentally and emotionally exhausted simply because I, in my mind, am okay, well, I, have, I should be doing all these different things. Right. Um, and especially when you're in a profession that's go, 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 go. Um, and you're kind of, you're still going, um, cause we still, I still have work, but I don't know, there's that other level of things. Um, and someone said, you know, this is, this isn't a sabbatical, right. And that, that's the, that, that, that kind of really hit home for me because this isn't a sabbatical. This is a pandemic. Um, so I think I'm, I'm my biggest challenge. I think just my own thought process and, um, just trying to kind of really, manage and learn and not be so crazy on myself because I'm, I'm super critical like of myself. Um, and then the other thing is like, we're going into fasting. We start fasting on Friday. Um, so a lot of Muslims in the world are starting to do our fasts. Um, so that's kind of a positive thing that I haven't fasted in a few years. So I'm looking forward to kind of being home and being able to do that. So, um, I'm always the balance, you know, I, I think that there's, there's some positive we can take out of this. Um, and just to speak to kind of what Susie said, um, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, there are some great inequalities uh, in this in this city and in this country. Um, and just to be compassionate. And, and the word she used was dignity, you know, and, and I think that that's, um, couldn't have said it better myself. So thank you, Susie, for kind of touching upon something that was sitting on my heart. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. And for Rhonda, how about you? Challenges? Um, I think, you know, just what people are saying, I think, just allowing myself to be and understanding that I'm going to have feelings and I'm going to have days where I don't get dressed and I don't shower and just allowing myself to just be. And if I want to eat popcorn for dinner, I can. And just, yeah, allowing myself just to go through the motions and whatever that is for that day. I think 
my challenge changes day by day, sometimes moment by moment. So, you know, just forgiving myself and allowing myself just to get through this. And I, I agree, like the kindness and everything towards people and understanding we're all in different situations. And um, I've seen lots of positives. And so I'm just holding on to that. Well, that even, that's a nice segue to you, Amy, the I Am Love Project. <laughs> I'm feeling a lot of, you know, yeah, there was a lot of love here, but you know, for you, what's your challenge right now? I think the biggest challenge right now is um, how do we, how do we immediately um, kind of support our community and kind of help them like thrive, like e everyone. And going back to Susie, and that's one thing that I've been doing, volunteering um, for other youth youth groups, where everything is done online. They have um, book clubs online, yoga, math clubs, dance clubs, and one of the opportunity, one of the challenges is some of the kids don't have access to like a iPad or something so they can't even um, hop onto zoom so now we're kind of reaching out to friends and family if they have an additional one if it's a family of six and you guys have three iPads can you just spare us one for like the summer during the summer so then these kids can still feel connected to um, these youth groups and still participate in activities yeah yeah, yeah. and how about for you uh, Leslie um, pretty much what everybody else is saying the the management of um me and i i'm thinking of amy you know you're saying you're talking to parents and and the variety of what parents are doing with their kids learning wise i'm at the retirement end so i'm talking to retirement people and like the projects that people are doing now the quilt making the renovation of the basement the all of that sort of stuff and just again giving myself permission to not get caught up in that and not not be feeling like this is a a, a time where i should be getting all these jobs done um another big challenge for me is is same as many of you aging parents i have an aging parent who's 88 and lives by herself at victoria beach so she's living in a cottage in a community all by herself. I'm thousands of kilometers away and um, knowing that she's lonely and bored and um, trying, to, trying to support her through this and, uh, and help her manage. Thankfully, she's not going out and exposing herself. She's doing a really great job of the, the isolation piece, but not having any family nearby when she's 88 and I think, you know quality of life this this could be her last you know year on earth and and this is what it is it's it's um it's sad and and worrisome but uh we keep in touch as best as we can and do what we can so yeah it's just keeping keeping on the path is is the biggest challenge but as lots of you have said tons of positives out of this as well so yeah and for you melinda well, I think everyone's already touched on everything that I have been challenging with. But um, I think it was very interesting, Susie and Rana and everyone talking about compassion and empathy for others. I, I'm proud to say I think I already have that. And I experienced that a lot, that I do think of others a lot. However, I think we forget to show ourselves empathy. And that's one thing that... I've been very hard on myself the last, I don't know, month that I've been here, maybe month and a half. And be easy on yourself. I mean, be kind to yourself and recognize your, you know, what you're doing well rather than what you're not doing well at. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a challenge is to remember that, you know, 
we're, we're all doing pretty darn well. I mean, look at us. We all got out of bed to, this is an accomplishment, get out of bed to turn on our computers and to meet because there's some days where it's even tough to get out of bed because every day, it's like Groundhog Day, right? <laughs> so Yes, yes, definitely. Well, thanks. And Charlene, a challenge for you? I, I guess I have similar challenges to what everyone else said. I think one of them is as an employer and as a, an executive director or CEO is just um, concerned about my staff, making sure that I can productively employ them and we have some challenges in that regard. So, and then of course, a lifeline is still operating and it's basically a frontline essential service. So making sure everyone there is safe. Um, so that kind of what keeps me up at night is just making sure that they all stay safe. And then I have half of my family in Vancouver. So my youngest daughter, who's a teacher, has two little kids and she actually has COVID-19. So not being able to, she's recovering, but it's just like not being there to be able to help her, you know, and, and, and support her. I mean, again, we're fairly well connected, but you know, that's kind of from a, on a personal perspective, it's, it's much nicer. I've got aging parents here and other grandkids and kids here but it's not being able to be there for someone who's remote. Um, yeah, wow. Well, hopefully MC she gets on to a speedy recovery. She yeah. is getting better. It was just, you know, just, again, it's worrisome. it's worrisome, right, at some point. Yeah. No, this, no. And Sue, for you, challenge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I think very similar to what everybody else has said, but um, I liked what Melinda said about just having empathy for yourself. I think that's been the biggest struggle and challenge because you're constantly taking care of other people, whether it's your staff or your own family at home. Um, and then if you listen to social media or whatever else messaging is out there, you know, you think that you have all this time, but it's exhausting to always constantly think about taking care of other people that you don't think about taking care of yourself. Um, so I know I'm not coming out of this with a six pack or a new business plan or like all those other things that everybody else thinks that we have the time for right now. So, um, I think just being kind to yourself and letting yourself know that you just got to make it through. Yeah, no, I think so. Well, and, uh, I don't know, Robin challenge for you. I think one of the challenges is a little weird. But I think the challenge is to remember that nothing is ever secure. Like we've got this happening now, but even if we took this away, we don't know what each moment holds. Like we have it in our head, we think we do, but we don't know if, you know, we're going to have like a car accident or we're going to win the lottery. Life's going to change in, in this. And so I think... One of the things I'm trying to be with at the moment is this moment is now and how do I get through this moment? Because there's nothing secure in life except what I'm doing right here, right now. And, and when I get in my head, I'm not so good, you know. So, like, the challenge is to stay out of my head and get, there's nothing secure. I get there's this huge thing sitting in the background but if I strip it down I have this moment in any given day for the rest of my life I have this moment and that I can control so that's my challenge getting out of danger street Woo! 
<laughs> well, thank you, Lisa. We'll all try practicing that. Well, you know what? Thank you so, so much, all of you. It's This has been actually, I mean, each conversation gets better in a different sort of way. And I and every now I, I truly believe that, yes, we are like an onion and we're seeing all of our layers being peeled away and gaining more information. And like I was going to ask, and I still will ask this question, I think for, for next week, um, it was, I was going to say, well, maybe I can. So in light of another 30 days in isolation and, you know, non-essential services, unopened, whatever, we're, you know, what are you most afraid of? And we kind of touched on this a little bit, but, you know, and I want to make this now personal. So, and in light of all this great information on how we need more empathy for ourselves, we're okay, um, you know, yeah. I don't know, I just have so many mixed emotions, I think after this weekend and, you know, some personal things and um, it's just like, you know, where do we go from here? So that's the question for Thursday. And I just want to let you know, as well, we'll have some special guests. We'll have um, an RWB dancer, Royal Winnipeg dancer, Sarah Davey, who this year, this was going to be her swan song, her retirement, her big show at the end of the season, and 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 in flux too as well. And we'll also have Kelly Thornton, who's the artistic director of the Royal Manitoba, um, Manitoba Theatre Centre. So, of course, the big decision to not only cancel this season, but what does next season look like? Where are the performing arts going to go? And that was so nice, Susie. Was that your son that just came in? And gave you a big hug? <laughs> That's so nice. What a way to end this. But you know what? Um, so please come back. Oh, and I also want to mention to you too, Rhonda. So on Monday, and Amy too as well, we will have uh, the min uh, ministers, Rochelle Squires and Kathy Cox. Uh, and Sarah Osman and uh, Mary Lobson from EBA Manitoba uh, to talk about the new declaration, the declaration that we talked about last week for the non-consensual distribution of intimate images. So I'm hoping all of you can join in this conversation because it does spill off into everything that's happened this weekend, that it all has an underlying theme of domestic violence. And that's what I'm afraid of in the next 30 days. And probably not a lot will be discussed, right? We'll, we'll only hear and get the sensationalized ones, right? Yeah. So anyways, hopefully we can have you all back on that show too as well. So love you all to bits. Thank you. Thanks guys. Have a great day. Yeah, have a day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of iLikeQ.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance, and everyday life. 
Let's Take This Outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.